Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank After, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. To my delight, 60 Minutes provided an intelligence briefing to the American people last night. It focused on an issue that we have been very concerned about at the Center for Security Policy for, well, a decade or two, namely the vulnerability of our electric grid. The program featured the insights, the research, and the, well, mastery of the subject of one of our friends and colleagues and teammates in what we call the Secure the Grid Coalition. His name is Command Sergeant Major Mike Maybe, United States Army, retired. He has spent much of his professional life protecting our country against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and particularly in recent years has been trying to both understand himself and explain to the rest of us just how acute is the vulnerability of our nation's most critical of critical infrastructures, namely our electric grid. He contributed mightily to the 60 Minutes piece, and we wanted to catch up with him to talk about it, congratulate him first and foremost, but also to thank him for the hard work that uh, went into that and what he continues to do to try to protect us against, well, the possibility of a serious grid-down disaster. Mike Maybe, welcome back to Secure Freedom Radio. Great to have you with us, my friend. Thank you for having me, Frank. Well, again, thank you for what you did with 60 Minutes last night. One of the things that jumped out at me, Mike, in terms of the reporting and your contribution to it was what you brought to the story in terms of the fact that great vulnerability is not an abstraction. It is a problem, an acute problem, and one that we've had plenty of warning about, um, including some actual efforts to take down the grid. Talk about those if you would. Sure. And the uh, 60 Minutes piece last night focused on one of the threats, which is the physical threat. Um, And uh, the uh, U.S. electric grid uh, depends on a lot of facilities that are guarded simply by a chain link fence and some crossed fingers. And one of the uh, one of the real vulnerabilities is for, uh, that a terrorist organization, whether a foreign terrorist organization or a domestic terrorist organization, could visit a coordinated attack against multiple of these facilities at once. And presently, there is no standard that would protect the electric grid from such an attack. Now, an example of such an attack occurred back in 2013 at the Metcalf Transformer in California, which is owned by PG&E. And in that instance, multiple assailants um, cut the alarm and camera wires, exited, and then with precisely aimed rifle fire, destroyed um, the transformers, taking that entire substation offline. Now, the um, transformers are the backbone of the electric grid, and they're not easily replaceable. So um, in normal times, the lead time to replace one transformer uh, can run between a year to 18 months. So when you lose multiple transformers at one time, you can be talking about a blackout you know, that can go for months or years. Um, and that's the, that's the danger of a um, coordinated physical attack. Now, what the research shows is according to Department of Energy Information in the last decade, there have been over 700 physical attacks against the U.S. electric grid. And Mike, um, I guess fortuitously, 
providentially, um, none of these has translated into the kind of, well, regional blackout, let alone nationwide blackout, and sustained one at that, that um, you have been warning about. Um, the Metcalf incident, which, as you say, 60 Minutes uh, led with, um, was uh, a very near-run thing. How about these other incidents? Uh, have we really just uh, been extremely lucky to this point, or have steps been taken by the government of the United States, by the electric utilities, by communities to greatly improve the resiliency of the grid so far? And unfortunately, the answer to that is no. After Metcalf, um, there was a physical security standard enacted for part of the electric grid, which is the bulk power system or the high voltage transmission system. However, this standard was written by the regulated industry, by the electric utility industry. It wasn't written by the government. And actually, this standard enables the electric utility companies to determine which facilities the standard even applies to in the first place. So, you know, an interesting question to, to ponder is, you know, Metcalf, California, does that fall on that, that substation that was attacked, does that fall under the physical security standard? Well, only PG&E can answer that because they're the ones that decide whether it does or it doesn't. So it's a hollow standard. Um, there is no physical security standard for the electric grid as a whole. And the one um, physical security standard for the bulk power system is a complete joke. You've described, Mike, a self-regulating industry, more or less. Um, yet there is uh, at least one oversight body, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Its uh, former chairman, John Willinghoff, featured prominently in the 60 Minutes piece talking about the Metcalf incident. Um, where is FERC in all of this? And uh, I know you've had a lot of interactions with them over the years. Are they stepping up to ensure compliance with well, standards like this one, uh, to say nothing of, of uh, others that are in, needed clearly in the cyberspace and, uh, well, extreme weather, uh, space weather, and uh, one I'm particularly concerned about, uh, electromagnetic pulse, for example. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, the government is not stepping up. And I think the 60 Minutes piece showed us a couple of really important key takeaways. One was uh, from former FERC chairman John Wellinghoff. Um, who appeared on that piece. And what he said was that FERC did a study about physical security and um, less than, if you took out less than 20 substations, you could cause a nationwide blackout. Now, uh, Wellinghoff said less than 20 and then 60 minutes, uh, Bill Whitaker quoted the Wall Street Journal piece where they said the number was nine. So um, the frustrating part to this is that I filed a complaint um, about the physical security standard, uh, and one of the specific complaint items was that it does not uh, contemplate attacks against multiple facilities. And FERC dismissed that complaint and said, uh, you know, no, we don't feel the need to revisit that standard. So, you know, as we sit here, we have a former FERC chairman saying, you know, if you would do a, a simultaneous attack against, you know, several facilities, but less than 20, you could black out the entire nation, and yet we have the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, the government, um, saying no, no further, uh, no further uh, um, 
action is needed. And the other piece this is was simply uh, from- unbelievable. And I, if, if you hadn't followed these guys as I have, and you certainly have even more closely, um, you, you'd find this, uh, un- well, beyond comprehension. And yet, this is kind of business as usual, Mike. Is this an example of what's been called regulatory capture, in which an agency is essentially at the, uh, uh, well, disposal of the entities that they're supposed to be regulating rather than providing real oversight and, and enforcing sensible regulatory control. And the you know answer to that, unfortunately, is yes. The electric utility industry in the last decade has spent $1.2 billion lobbying federal Congress um, in, in addition to hundreds of millions of dollars of political contributions to members of Congress who might have uh, might be on committees uh, you know that would regulate the industry. Moreover, the industry through its lobbyists has embedded itself into the federal government through the electric subsector coordinating council and, and these trade associations that uh, testify literally at every congressional and FERC hearing. So the federal government. Um, is uh, very, very hesitant to enact any type of regulations that the electric utility industry doesn't want. And of course, um, the electric utility industry you know, wants to maintain their self-regulation, does not want uh, the government to impose any requirements um, related to uh, security of the electric grid. And thus, here we are. Um, where last night on 60 Minutes, uh, the White House Homeland Security Advisor, Dr. Uh, Liz Sherwood Randall, admitted that the federal government does not have the ability to order or the, or the authority to order the electric grid to protect itself from known threats. So here we have you know, known threats that could cause the deaths of millions of people in the United States. We have an industry fighting against regulation, and we have a federal government that admits it's powerless to do anything about it. Again, if the stakes weren't so high, this would simply be absurd, but it is outrageous. And the fact that it persists is something that requires the most urgent of attention. Uh, Mike, I, w- I want to talk to you about some things that could be done and should be done, um, perhaps starting with tomorrow night's State of the Union address by President Joe Biden. But before we do that, just one other piece of this that is so striking uh, is that as 60 Minutes exposed, there really isn't anybody in the government on the policy side, not the regulatory side, but the policy side, who is responsible for the grid's resiliency. How could that possibly be? And and what do we have instead? Well, we have um, a self-regulatory system and the grid has always been self-regulated. Um, the uh, and, and, you know, in the United States, we have a lot of self-regulated areas. And in most instances, we found a way to make that work. And I'll give you a great example is Wall Street. Um, you know, after the uh, financial scandals in 2008 with subprime mortgage, uh, you know, Congress enacted um, the Dodd-Frank Act. And after the Enron debacle, they had enacted the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. So we know how 
to, uh, you know, how to hold industries accountable, even when they're self-regulated. But in the electric utility industry, there's absolutely nobody holding the industry accountable or the government accountable. And a great example of that is the 246 deaths in Texas from the February 2021 blackout. Nobody has been held accountable for those deaths, even though that blackout was a repeat offense. The same thing happened in 1989 and 2011. So we have no accountability right now with the electric utility industry. And that is a key thing that needs to change. Mike, you know, I'm often asked when talking about this with people, um, why would the electric utilities be so resistant to taking the sorts of steps that would make their infrastructure um, less susceptible to, well, sabotage or cyber warfare or extreme weather or, you know, this uh, naturally occurring uh, geomagnetic disturbance or its uh, man-made counterpart, uh, electromagnetic pulse. Don't they have families? I'm often asked. Don't they have customers, for heaven's sakes? Doesn't their whole business model depend on being able to sell electricity to people? And and that would seem to be a pretty compelling reason for them to be doing something about these problems. And yet, as you say, they're not. Why? Yeah. And, I, you know, I have pondered that question for years because it doesn't seem to make any sense. But, you know, at um, at the end of the day, the um, most industries tend to be anti-regulation. They don't want, you know, the government to regulate them any more than it does. And And, and I get it. You know, that's the way it is. And and th- these industries have these powerful lobbying organizations that, by the way, the electric rate payers are paying for all this lobbying through their electric bills. But um, they have these organizations that, you know, spend a great deal of money lobbying against regulation. Meanwhile, if you're one of these 3,000 um, entities in the electric grid and you want to do the right thing, it's very, very hard to... Um, justify spending a lot of money on security if nobody else is doing it, if it's not a requirement, just because it's the right thing. We've, you know, got shareholders we have to please, you know, um, and, you know, can we justify spending this money? So you make yourself less competitive if you want to, um, you know, spend a lot of money on extra unrequired, you know, air quote, uh, security measures. So that's one of the problems is just the culture in the electric utility industry um, is not conducive and, you know, the, the, and they're not held accountable. So if there is a blackout and people die, uh, they don't get held accountable for that if it was preventable. Um, and, well, but we've you know, seen, so, you so mentioned PG&E, this uh, company out in California that uh, uh, had this major substation very, very nearly taken down for, well, possibly years. They have also been, of course, the entity that has been uh, repeatedly found liable for wildfires. Um, and they have been held accountable for that. They have spent, I think, tens of billions of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, compensating people for the losses incurred as a result. So surely they can't be completely indifferent to these kinds of risks and the 
need to mitigate them? Well, the, you know, first of all, PG&E is a convicted felon. They, uh, you know, were convicted of 85 felony counts in the campfire. So to the extent that, you know, we want to view a convicted, you know, felon like PG&E as a credible, you know, source, um, you know, good luck to all of us. But the, um, you know, the, the industry has a history of uh, bad actors within the in the industry. You know, we only have to you know look towards PG and E, Enron, uh, the Ohio Illinois um, uh, First Energy scandal. So you know, this is an industry with a checkered past, and you know, the government is completely trusting this industry, you know, to do the right thing with security. And there are within the industry some you know real beacons of hope. You know, where we've got. Some companies that that really are trying to do the right thing, but by and large, the culture has got to change. There has got to be accountability within the industry and the government to protect the grid. And you know, presently, without that, we've got three thousand barn doors to guard. We're talking with Command Sergeant Major Mike Maybe, United States Army retired, a leader of our Secure the Grid Coalition, and an indefatigable champion of accountability for those who fail to make this, as I say, most critical of critical infrastructures as resilient as we possibly can against all hazards. And when I say most critical of middle, most critical infrastructures, it is that because, as you know, Mike, without electricity, none of the other critical infrastructures in this country work and people will die possibly by the millions. So this brings us to what can be done about it. I mentioned earlier, Mike, that the President of the United States is going to be making a major report to the Congress, his annual, his first, in this case, annual State of the Union address. Do you have any thoughts about what Joe Biden could do in the way of announcements? These speeches are always chock-a-block with different initiatives and promises and but specific things that he could announce tomorrow night that could set this nation on the road to actually having the grid made, uh, if not actually completely invulnerable, at least much less vulnerable than it currently is to catastrophic attack or other induced failure. Yeah, and there absolutely are actions that could be taken. And I would you know, implore the president, if he happens to be listening to uh your show, Frank, that um, at the state, <laughs> yeah, at the state of un- the union address, you need to announce, Mr. President, that uh, you are going to be working with Congress to make protection of the electric grid mandatory. Uh, there's just no other two ways about it. The federal government has got to step up and make, um, you know, protection of the electric grid against, you know, to, you know. Uh, against the known threats, mandatory. Uh, We need to require that companies within the electric utility industry take reasonable, reasonably prudent steps to protect themselves, you know, their equipment, their piece of the grid against known hazards. And that uh, has got to be certified by the chief executive officer of each of those entities, at least on an annual basis. And the government's got to monitor this. There have to be civil and criminal penalties for false certification. And we've got to put the um, onus on the owners and operators of the electric utility um, uh, industry of the electric grid 
um, to protect their piece of it, to take reasonably, reasonably prudent measures. Right now, that requirement does not exist. So that would be the first thing that, um, you know, the president should announce his initiative to make uh, the um, protection of the electric grid mandatory. Okay. When you look at the need for someone to be in charge of enforcing this kind of statute uh, and otherwise pulling the government together, you know, comprehensively to make grid resiliency a national priority. Um, shouldn't that be one of the other things he sets in train? And, and could he do that by executive direction rather than require possibly time-consuming legislation? Yes. And, you know, we do not presently have anybody in charge in the federal government as, uh, you know, we saw in the 60 Minutes uh, piece last night, you know, where the, the White House, um, you know, admitted that, you know, there literally is nobody in charge. So, um, you know, directing that uh, new position of a, um, you know, uh, grid securities are, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, in the White House or at a very, I, I, and I would say it really should be at the White House. Uh, the other place it could possibly be is, you know, a high level at DOE, but then that tends to get even more buried in the bureaucracy. So I think having a grid securities are yeah, at the White, House, the White House. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. And, and, and it's got to be somebody that's got the mandate and the resources to get the job done, to pull together the national labs, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, the Department of Energy, and the 50-state PUC. You know, we've got to coordinate Public with utility all commissions. of the regulators. Yeah. Public utility commissions. We've got to coordinate, you know, we've got to have somebody that's coordinating grid security with all of these um, entities and, and is able to credibly testify to Congress about and be held accountable by Congress um, as to what the government is doing about this problem. And, you know, right now we don't have anybody in that position. Right. Um, Mike, we're almost out of time. I, I think there are two other questions that I know you've been working hard on. One is the issue of can we protect people working in the electric utility who may have insights into problems that are clearly national security, homeland security sensitive, shall we say, if not highly destructive, um, point one. And point two, the fact that we've allowed foreign equipment, including from communist China, in our electric grid. Uh, talk quickly about what President Biden might do on those two fronts tomorrow night. Sure. And, um, you know, we know in the United States about enacting whistleblower provisions or employee protections uh, for people in certain industries. So, for example, in the nuclear industry, employees are protected if they blow the whistle on violations of Nuclear Regulatory Commission regulations, you know, that might uh, impact the safety of a nuclear power plant, you know, something that would be very important to people. So we know how to protect employees within an industry who are in a position to see wrongdoing or, you know, to see violations. And um, the administration should work with Congress to enact whistleblower protections to protect employees of the electric grid. Presently, that doesn't exist. If an employee in the electric grid uh, blew the whistle on a violation of um, you know, NERC critical infrastructure and protection standards and, you know, was fired, that employee would have no protection under federal law. And that has got to change, you know, in order to bring, you know, accountability to the industry and to empower employees to, to point out regulatory violations. And then the other point you raise about foreign equipment, 
Well, you know, our research uh, has revealed that we have imported over 370 large Chinese transformers and installed them into the electric grid. Oh, my Lord. Now, and, and there's That's no out of a total of how many, whatsoever. Mike? Um, I'm not sure how many there are total, but the thing is the number of Chinese transformers has been increasing that, that we are ordering because the Chinese are marketing very well and they're probably underselling some of our other more traditional sources such and and um, you can count on so it. people that's what they do we don't low yeah, bid we don't make yeah we don't make uh, a lot of these transformers in the united states anymore we make very very few the vast majority of these large transformers we have to import and traditionally we've imported them from um south korea germany um European countries. But, um, you know, in more recent years, uh, we've started importing these from the Chinese. Now, not only are we importing these large transformers, but we are importing millions of smart meters and inverters. And the inverters are particularly important with renewable energy. And we're installing all of this equipment. Also importing them from China? From China. Yep. From communist China. We're importing all of this equipment and installing it on the electric grid. And there's absolutely no requirement that anybody check any of it for vulnerabilities. And Mike, what kinds of vulnerabilities could you see the Chinese building into such equipment if they were of a mind to, oh, for example, take down our grid as an act of war against the United States? Right. And, and you know, the first thing we should note is that the People's Republic of China has been hacking the U.S. energy sector since at least 2003 that we know of. So yes, they're doing it. They they reside comfortably today in our electric grid along with the Russians. So if you've got a nation state actor such as communist China that's already hacked your electric grid, why on earth would you buy components from them to install into the electric grid? Because those components could have hidden backdoors, ways for uh, you know, their hackers uh, to access them. And if nothing else, since they manufactured them, they know all about them and they know how to defeat, you know, any um, type of safety measures that the devices may have. Yeah. And ways to break them besides just, uh, you know, backdoor cyber techniques, perhaps. So, Mike, it th- this is, no, yes. it's, it's insane again. Uh, it's irresponsible. It's recklessly dangerous, and it's going to get Americans killed. And it's unconscionable that um, despite your best efforts, our Secure the Grid Coalition and others, to raise the ruckus about this, that uh, so little has been done, if anything. Uh, I understand there actually has been an investigation of one of these Chinese transformers, and that it was, uh, unfortunately, you know, confirming of our worst fears. Is that right? Yes. So there was one uh, Chinese transformer, and this was a reported in a Wall Street Journal article that was seized by the government and taken to Sandia National Laboratories. Now, the government um, has not said a peep about what, if anything, they found. Um, but, you know, when you seize a you know, multi-million dollar transformer and bring it to the national labs, um, obviously that's a, a pretty um, remarkable event. However, one former White House official, uh, Latham Sadler, uh, who formerly worked for the uh, National Security Council, um, confirmed in an interview that the National Lab did find a uh, backdoor vulnerability in that transformer. So we haven't had anything official from the government, but we have had a uh, 
um, former government official who said uh, in an interview that uh, something was found. But regardless, there is no um, that was just one transformer that that was seized, but there is no requirement. So it's just like giving ammunition to the guy that's shooting at, you know, that that we're not having any requirements to check this Chinese equipment before it gets installed onto the grid. Well, it's buying the bullets uh, for him to shoot at you, to use uh, uh, your metaphor. Um, lastly, and very quickly, uh, Mike, maybe, um, are we in a position to do anything about these kind of hardware problems uh, at the moment? Is is uh, is there any alternative to continuing to rely on Chinese produced equipment in all of these regards? Well, I think you know the the best solution would be we should make stuff in America and use American made stuff that's vetted, um, and you know that. Um, that obviously would be the you know holy grail solution. But I think at a minimum, we need to have requirements that any equipment that's bought and installed in our critical infrastructure be checked for vulnerabilities. And presently, there is no requirement you know as to where you source your equipment from, who you can buy it from, and you know whether you you check it. There's no requirement. Again, this is lunacy. Like maybe you bring sanity to so much of this. I pray that your good work at 60 Minutes last night and um, how can people see the uh, the video, Mike, if uh, they weren't able to catch it uh, in real time? Yep. If you weren't able to catch it, if you go up to uh, um, either my website, gridsecuritynow.org or the Secure the Grid website, which is uh, Secure the Grid. Uh, dot com. Uh, we'll, we will have that video posted on both of those sites so that you can see it. Mike, maybe I hope everyone will look at this video, will take to heart uh, some of your very important warnings uh, both there and here, and that most especially President Joe Biden will heed these calls for practical near-term steps that could make a huge difference for all of us. God bless you, my friend. Keep up your great work with the Secure the Grid Coalition. And by the way, people, you can follow that work and much more at securethegrid.com. Um, we need to get these problems addressed and addressed properly immediately. Thank you, Mike, maybe, to come back to us with updates if you would. Next up, we'll speak with somebody else right after this. <laughs> 